0: I'm so glad you get, uh, got a chance to hear the story of my friend Gary. And how many of you do believe that God is still a God of miracles? And if we put God first, amazing things are able to happen. I'm very excited about uh, uh, continuing the series with you today. We started last week. We continue today. We'll wrap it up next Sunday. It's so important. We're talking about becoming fit. Now, if you did not know what we were going to be talking about, and I just said, we're going to talk about becoming fit, then you might would think, well, we're going to be talking about becoming physically fit. And it's not that we should not talk about it. It's just not what we're devoting this series to. I mean, the Bible addresses that, and if we were talking about becoming physically fit, you know, I'd probably take you to some places in the Bible where Paul talked about, and our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, how we need to care for that, which houses the Holy Spirit, or a verse that says, you know, honor God with your body. And and we would probably talk about, you know, exercise or eating right or reducing stress in our life, getting adequate amounts of sleep. I would probably even be tempted to tell you how that you could actually eat six mornings a week at Chick-fil-A and still survive it. I might well do that. But we're not talking about becoming physically fit. We're talking about becoming financially fit, and we need to talk about it. It's a very important subject, and the reason we need to talk about it is be- because we're thinking about it so often. In fact, can I tell you, you are thinking about money. You're thinking about finances. You're thinking about uh, material possessions. You're thinking about these things more than you think that you are thinking about him. And Jesus knew that we would be thinking a lot about him. And so he spoke to it again and again and again. The Bible does. Again, uh, you know, I shared with you last week that there are at a minimum 2,350 verses that deal with either money or material possessions or finances in the Bible. So it's a really, really major topic. And so God wants to speak to us concerning it through his word. And that's what we wanna do this morning. We wanna go back to the Bible and I told you last week that I was going to be really, really practical this week, and I'm going to do that. In fact, I'm going to give you eight healthy habits for managing money, eight healthy habits for managing money. You've got an outline in your bulletin, and you may be seated in an area where you can see it well enough to fill it in. Uh, all the verses that I'm going to share, most all of them are going to be on the screen, so you'll see them there. You can take that sheet with you, and you've got the verses, or you can put it on your phone, your tablet, but eight healthy habits. Now, before we get to that, I, I want to share with you something that was said by the most famous of all evangelists in our lifetime. It's evangelists. How many of you would know? who that evangelist is. His name is Billy Billy Graham. And this is what Billy Graham said. Look at it here on the screen. He writes if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help him straighten out almost every other area of his life. Now, I'm going to go through this. I know what time it is. I know what time I'm going to be done. And you're thinking, I can't give you eight healthy habits straight out of the Bible about managing money, but I promise you I can. And I'm going to need you to just listen carefully, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be talking to you from these verses in the Bible, and there's going to be something that's going to connect with you and you're going to think, you know what, I need to do something about that, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, if you have that knowledge, if you have that sense, if you have that prompting, hey, I heard something, and it lets me know I probably need to do something, I want you to do a couple of things. I want you to write that down, what you need to do, and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something about it quickly. Because a lot of times we have good intentions, but we never get around to our good intentions. So there's going to be times when I might will say to you, hey, here's an action step you need to think of. But there's going to be other times when I won't even mention that, but something the Lord's going to click it in your mind, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm not doing that, and I probably should, or or I am doing that, and I probably shouldn't, and you're going to want to take action on that. So let me give you eight. I'm going to go through them really quickly, but they're so important because I'm going through them quickly. I, I don't want you to disregard them. All right, number one, eight healthy habits for managing what God entrusts to us, money. Number one, it is this. Right in the very beginning, we have to remember that God is our source, that God is our source. Now, I want you to know, that I highly regard. I really do hard work. I, I believe in hard work. I work hard. I love what I do. In fact, when I'm in this sweet spot of doing what God wants me to do, it doesn't even feel like work to me. I just love what I do. And I believe in hard work. I really do and I have high regard for it if you're a hard worker. And, and I appreciate intelligence and creativity and education and tenacity and all of these things. And I think all of these things really matter. But having said that, I want you to catch this. If God were to remove, even for a moment, his hand from our life, things in our life would dramatically change, and they would change quickly. Now, why do I need to mention that? Because if we're not careful, you and I will put our hope in our job or we'll put our hope in our salary, or in our savings, or in the economy. And we don't need to do that. The Bible tells us that's a big mistake for us to do that. In fact, I want you to read this verse with me. This is Deuteronomy eight 18. Let's read it together. This is what it says. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Read it again. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to to produce wealth. And a lot of people just say, well, you know what? Here's, I'm responsible to produce wealth. If if it's going to happen, I'm going to have to make it happen. As I mentioned to you, and not just people that are far from God, people who know God, they just say, you know what? I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to put my confidence in my job. I'm going to put my confidence. This is what brings me security in what I'm, what I make or in the money that I've set aside in savings or in the economy. That's where I'm going to put my trust. And that is a huge mistake because the reality is any of those things can be taken from us. But do you know what can never be taken from us? Something that can never be taken from us is really not a something. It's a somebody and it is God. And how many of you know that God is never going to be taken from us and God is never going to fail us and God's never going to let us down. You can lose your job. How many of you know that? You can lose your income. You can lose your money. The economy can but one thing that can never change is God, and God is our source. Secondly, it's important to make money wisely, to make money wisely. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about being honest in our dealings. I'll just give you one brief example. I have used the same car mechanic uh, for nearly 15 years, and you know why? And we've got great car mechanics, uh, I know, in our church, and, and guys who are just like this, who are, who are honest and in other areas of profession and vocation. But the reason I've used this one mechanic, number one reason that I've gotten to know him so well is because those of you who know me, you know, basically my philosophy on car ownership is, is I'm generally going to drive a car to the, the wheels about fall off. This is, this is something that happened not, not long, well, I say not long ago. It's been over four years ago, I guess now. I decided that it was time to get another vehicle. And I decided that at the advice of my mechanic who just said, hey, we're now at a point because the vehicle I had before I had my current vehicle, I had reached 278,000 miles. And he's just like, you know what? You may want to consider getting rid of this. You, You know, you're about to have to really invest. So, you know, when you have a car that has that many miles on it, you get to know your mechanic. How many of you know that? And you get to know. And uh, he just reached a point. He said, "Now, now would be the time." And I had a a mile on a vehicle, and I'd watch the price of it come down because of you know liquidation and newer vehicles in and needing to liquidate and drop. And so all of that. So I said, "Now is the time when when I'm going to upgrade in vehicles." So this true story. I drove this vehicle of mine to the dealership because I'm going to trade it in. And so the person who is working with me on that says, well, do you have a car to trade? I said, yes, I do. He said, uh, well, let's go take a look at it. And so he took a look at it. I could tell he wasn't very impressed, by the way. And, and then he said, hey, uh, I need to drive it. If we're going to give you an accurate value on your car, uh, I need to drive it. Is it okay if I drive it? I said, sure, you drive it. And he got in the driver's seat in the front of the car, and I walked around the car, and I got in the passenger side, but not in the front, in the back. And the reason why, there was a reason. He looked at me sort of strangely. I got in the back, passenger side, shut the door, and I said, well, the passenger door up front doesn't work. And okay, so I could see he's already reducing in his mind, you know, the trading value of my vehicle. And then we start the little lap that's going to be made. And he's, he's, uh, he starts driving it for just a little ways. And he says, he turned around and looked at me in the back seat. So what I, funny isn't it? he looked and he said, hey, do you, you, you notice there's some play in this, you know, when you drive it, there's some play in the you're steering. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, if you only knew, <laughs> if you only knew. You think that's, hey, listen, that's just the surface. Uh, So, you know, but here's the reality. I've used this guy all these years because he's trustworthy. He's honest. And God blesses integrity and truthfulness. God does not bless deception or falsehood. If you are a trustworthy employee, if you are a fair and honest business owner, then you can be proud of yourself. And the reason why you can be proud of yourself is because God is proud of you. God is pleased with you, and he's going to honor what you do. In fact, look at this verse. Proverbs sixteen eleven says, God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is whose business? It's his business. All right. You see, right. It's okay to say it out loud, you know. Your business is what his business. Also, did you know this that the more that the more um, greedy that you and I become, the more the more gullible that we become. A lot of times, people think, "Well, you know what? I just I just need a windfall. I just need you know something. I'm, I'm going to get wealthy quick." But look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs thirteen eleven. Look at this on the screen. This is what it says: Wealth from get rich quit schemes quickly disappears but wealth from hard work grows over time. Do you wanna know what a dynamic combination is for building wealth? It is this, it is to remember that God is your source, not your job, not your salary, not the economy, not your savings. God is your source and work hard and work hard. Let me give you the third healthy habit of managing money. Here it is, be sure you get it. And that is honor God first. You heard Gary talk about that. You know what, friends, you would have to just totally blind your eyes to the reality. And Gary said, I stood there and I said, God, here's what I'm going to do. I've done it since I've been a Christian. I've honored you first. And even though I'm looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills, I'm going to put you first. And then I'll divvy up, you know, beyond that. Honor God first. Now, if God is our source and supply, which we know he is, that it only makes sense that we would honor God first. Furthermore, when we do that, it's going to open up the blessings of God. Friend, uh, you know, that's not our motivation for giving. I hope that's not the reason why you give, but you cannot negate a reality, the reality of sowing and reaping, that if we put God first, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour you out a blessing that you can't even contain. In fact, if I was going to teach this third one out a little bit more, I'd read on in the verse where God says, not only am I going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain, I'm also going to rebuke the devourer. I'm going to hold back the destroyer. Not only am I going to bless you with good things and I'm going to help you, but I'm also going to hold back bad things and negative things from occurring in your life because you have put me first. Look at these verses up on the screen. This is Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Look at what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, what does it say? The leftovers. Does it say leftovers? No, not the leftovers. The first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Now, why does God want us to tithe? Why? I mentioned this briefly last week, so I'm just going to hit it for a moment. Does God want us to tithe because He needs our money? No, God does not need our money. God is not up in heaven right now just saying, hey, listen, this place is a little bit more populated than I had originally planned, and it's costing me a lot to run this place, and so I'd love it if you just, you know, send some cash. God does not need your money, and he doesn't need my money, but what God does need and what God does want is our heart and he wants to be the top priority of our life. He doesn't want to be second place. He doesn't want to be last place. God wants to be first place. In fact, I want you to read this next verse with me. This is Deuteronomy 14, 23. Let's everybody read it. It says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Why do we tithe? What is the purpose of it? Because God needs our money? No, because it teaches us how to make God the top priority of our life. Now, that is the why of tithing, to prove that God is the top priority of my life. Now, what about the where of tithing? Where? Where does the tithe belongs? And Malachi 3.10 tells us where the tithe belongs. Look at this up on the screen. It says, bring to what? The storehouse. What is the storehouse? The storehouse is always, when you see it in this context, the place where you're spiritually fed. Bring to the storehouse, bring to the place where, in our case here, the place where you're spiritually fed a full tenth of what you earn, so there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, all powerful. I will do what? I'm going to open the windows. I've just shared that with you. Open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. So God is not only saying that to us in Proverbs 3. Now he's saying it in Malachi 3. He said, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour you out a blessing. The wife tithing is so that we prove that God is the top priority in my life. Listen, friends, if I say that God is number one in my life, if I say that God is the top priority in my life and I'm not giving to God first, then what I'm saying is not true. God is not the top priority in my life. He's not first place in my life. The why of tithing is to make sure that God's the top priority. The where is in the storehouse. Now, there's other th- other things that we ought to give toward. Now, really, when you think about it, and I'll just hit this one quickly as well, tithing is not really giving. Tithing is actually returning. We don't really get into giving until we go beyond the tithe. I return to God the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. So that's returning. When I get into Uh, giving is when I go beyond that. And there's a lot of worthwhile things that ought to be supported and need our help. I think of some great organizations right here in our own community. I think about organizations that are doing a fantastic job like Salvation Army. What about Talbot's House and the Dream Center, Crisis Pregnancy Centers and stuff, and and other ministries that are right here in our own community? What about missionaries? And and those ought to be supportive. Uh, Maybe there's a TV ministry that that speaks to you. Well, those, I mean, if God lays it on your heart to Support these causes, then you ought to support them, but that's not where our tithe goes. Our tithe comes into the storehouse. So the why is the priority, making sure that God is top in my life. The where is in the storehouse, the place where we're spiritually fed. Now, what about the when of tithing? The when of tithing, look at 1 Corinthians 16 2, it tells us when. It says this On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money and keep it with his income. Now, what does that mean? When should we tithe? And that is as soon as we get paid. And not the leftovers, not after I've spent this, done this, sent this check, paid that online, and if I've got anything left over, I'm going to give that. That's not tithing. That's not tithing. Tithing is when I get paid. Now for me, and I know that can't work this exact way for you, but for me, the way I have it, I'm, I receive my salary from the church. And so, but before I get my salary, just like I have withholdings from, you know, federal taxes and, and such, you know, we, we have to do that. We have to pay our taxes, do that. But I've also got it set up to where even before I, I get my check right off the top, out of that comes the Lord's tithe and the tithe to the church. And then I have a because I'm a part of I hold credentials with a denominational ministry a tithe that I pay to that and then the missions that I, I pay every month to support our missionaries and and the capital uh, that I'm in the capital expenditures in our church I have that all taken off right off of of the top and because I want I want to be sure that that God gets what is rightfully due His first third principle honor God first. Number four, be sure you get this is really, really, really important. Save money wisely. Now, this is going to be an action step for many of you where you're going to say, you know what? I haven't really been saving, but I need to save. And I want to just put it to you this way. I want you to hear me out. All right. Hear me out on this. I'm talking quick. You can listen quick, but you need to hear this. After you have given God his tithe. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Listen, listen, I can back it up in the Bible, with the Bible, go ahead and pay yourself. Give to the Lord his tithe, but then pay yourself. Now, many of you are working hard and many of you are working long hours to pay, hear me, to pay everybody else but you. I was thinking about it while I was working on this talk. Actually, I think when I was working on this part, I was sitting in the back booth at Chick-fil-A, and this thought came to me. I really was. I wasn't eating. I was working on this talk. And this thought came to me that, that so many people are working for a lot of different... They're working long, and they're working hard. You know who they're working for? They're working for the electric company, and they're working for the cable company and they're working for the cell phone company, and they're working for the insurance company, and they're working for the mortgage. And it's like they're working hard, they're working long hours, and they're working for everybody else but themselves. They're never paying themselves. Read this verse with me, everybody now. Let's read it together. Proverbs 21:20 20 says this, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. A lot of you have heard this principle, so I'm not going to rehash it, but the 10-10-80 principle. The 10-10-80 principle is the first 10 belongs to God, that's the tithe. The second 10, I need to save, I need to pay myself, and then the 80 is I need to live on the rest. Now, I read this recently. I read this recently. Think about this for just a moment. The average Japanese saves 25% of their annual income. of their income they save. The average European saves 15% of their income. Do you know what in this study said that the average American at the time of the study said that the average American saves? Nothing. They actually spend 1% more than what they actually make. And I say that in some of yours, when I said that, they actually, you know, spend 1% more than they make. Some people, some people right now are thinking 1%, well, that's not that bad. That's, that's not too bad, 1%. But you know what that means? That means there's no savings, and there's no plan for the future, and there's no plan for retirement. I can remember sitting, and some of you are connected with Southeastern University. You've been around there for a while. You'll remember this name, Dr. Kenneth Wireman. I remember being in his church business administration class. I was about 20 years old, and I was in his class, and I heard him. I never heard anybody talk about planning for retirement, and I heard him talk about planning for retirement. And I I made a decision. I talked to you earlier about an action step. I made a decision in my mind. I said, as soon as I now I'm a a college student now. I said, but as soon as I get my first job, I'm going to start planning for retirement. I am, and so I graduated. You know, a couple of years later, got my first job, and I'm a youth pastor, in Montgomery, Alabama. And, And I'm just telling you, I wasn't racking in. You know, raking in the change. I mean, it was a very humble salary, but I knew I'd made a decision. Now, some of you are going to laugh when you hear me say this, but I started that very first job. I'm in my early 20s, and I said I made a decision sitting in Dr. Weirman's class at my first job. I'm going to start saving for retirement, and I didn't have a lot of money. I've, I've got a school dad. I've got a young family, you know, not a lot of money, but I started 30 years ago now putting $25 a month in retirement. you're saying, really, why would you even waste your time? Six dollars a week, that's nothing. But I did that year one and year two, and and my salary over time would go up a little bit. And I said, well, I can do more than 25. And so incrementally over time to where I'm able to give a lot more than that into a retirement fund every. But you know what? I have no regret. I could look back and say, $25, I never should have bothered. But how many of you know, interest can either work for you or against you? And it can work for you if it has some time to work. We have to learn this important principle. It is wise to say no to the immediate. That's impulsive buy-in and yes to the imminent, those things that are going to occur. There are going to be emergencies. How many of you know this? Your car is never going to break down at a convenient time. Your washing machine is not going to explode when you've got, you know, when it, when it all is at a very convenient time for you. So say no to the immediate more and more. And yes to the imminent, the things that are going to, the emergency, retirement. You may feel like you're never going to reach an age where you'll retire. Now, listen, I've, I've been around a while, and when you get my age, 33, you start thinking about retirement. Proverbs thirteen eleven says this, Money that comes leas- easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will what? Will grow. Some of you in action stab, you need to start saving money now. Now. Number five, keep good records. It's utterly amazing how many people have no real clue as to where their money is going. You could say to somebody, you know, where'd your paycheck go? I I don't know. Well, you just got paid, right? Yeah, just got paid, and it's all gone. Where did it go? I, I don't know where it went. They really never track their spending. If I, and I wouldn't do this to you, but if I were to walk up to you and say, all right, it's March 5th in February, or uh, let's cut some slack, let's go back to January because let's assume you haven't crunched your final numbers. And I said in January, what did you spend on insurance? What did you spend on medical What did you spend on groceries? What did you spend on gas? What did you spend on, you know, entertainment, recreation? What did you spend on clothes in January? A lot of you would look at me as if I was speaking another language because you don't know. Have you ever heard this expression, money talks? How many of you have ever heard that expression, money talks? It is not true. Money does not talk. It quietly walks away, and you have no clue where it's going. It doesn't talk. It doesn't say, hey, I'm just, it it just disappears. It quietly walks away, and you don't know where it went. Read this verse with me. This is Proverbs 21.5. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Listen to this. I'm hurrying. There are four things that you really need to know. Everybody needs to know. What you own, what you own, what you owe... What you earn, and where is it going? What you own, what you owe, what you earn, and where is it going? Take a look at this next verse, Proverbs 23, 5. Your money can be gone in a flash. Can anybody give a testimony on that one? Anybody want to just, oh, yeah, been there, done that. As if it had grown wings and just flown away like an eagle. You ever felt that way? Number six, have a spending plan a spending plan. It will be virtually impossible for you to get rid of debt and become financially free if you ignore or neglect this healthy and wise money habit. I want to challenge you right here with another, another action step, all right? Some of you, it resonated when I said you need to start saving for the future you're paying everybody else, and you're never paying yourself. 10, 10, 80. you say, well, I can't start with 10. Start with what? When you're talking about paying yourself. Now, you want to give God. You don't want to shortchange God. You want to give God. A tithe is a 10th, and you want to do that. You heard Gary say, that's going to open up the blessings of God into your life. If you say, well, you know what? I'm not really saving any money yet. Let, even if it, I mean, $25. That's all, a month, not a week. But start saving. Here's here's another action step. What's another word for spending plan? It is called a budget. And here's what I want to ask. Do you have one? See, a budget, I mentioned to you, money doesn't talk. It quietly walks away and never tells you where it's going. But a budget, you tell your money where you want it to go. And some of you, in fact, I'm not going to ask you because I really would not want to know. But if if I were to ask how many of you, you have a personal Family budget, a lot of you would say no i don't then here's what I would encourage you to do this afternoon today. if you're married, sit down with your spouse and talk about putting together a budget. if you're a single person, you sit down and you just say, Hey, you know if we can direct you towards some resources to help you with that we'll do that but but you need a budget, you need to tell your money." where you want your money to go, rather than watching it fly away. Now, why is it so imperative for you to have a budget? Because it is so easy to drift into what the Proverbs speak of. Now, I'm going to read a verse, but I know that this verse does not apply to anybody here, but I'm going to read it nevertheless. Here it is. Look at it on the screen. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. There's nobody here, but that's what the Bible says. Sports Illustrated. How many of you have heard of Sports Illustrated? Some of you says, yeah, I've got that. That's my devotional magazine. Uh, Sports Illustrated. Some of you heard me mention this before. How many of you would agree that a professional athlete maybe makes a little bit more money than you do? Professional athlete. You hear about their contracts and endorsements, and I have one sponsor, Chick-fil-A, and they pay me in food. Uh, but a professional athlete, according to Sports Illustrated, Listen to this now. You're going to be shocked. I was the first time I read it. An amazing 78% of NFL players find themselves bankrupt or financially stressed within two years of retirement. Look at the money. I mean, listen to the contracts. You hear about them all the time. 78, eight out of every 10 are either broke, bankrupt, or financially stressed just two years after retirement. 60% of NFL players are broke within five years of walking off the court. Did they have money? They had money. They just didn't know how to budget it. They didn't know what to do with it. One study of lottery winners showed that. Have you ever thought, man? You know, you don't have to. If I could just win the lottery, oh, if 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 that would. If I could just get that windfall. But one study of lottery winners showed that nearly half had spent their entire winnings within five years. You got to have a spending plan. Number seven: develop a repayment plan. If you're in debt, many of you are, I've got good news for you. You can get out of debt, but you're going to have to be activistic. You're going to have to stop living in denial. You're going to have to develop a debt repayment and an elimination plan. A lot of times, let's just say, and in, in I could give you so many examples of this. Let's just say you, aside from maybe a mortgage on your home, let's just say you've got three areas of debt, and a lot of times, let's say that each one is $100, and so $100 here, $100 here, $100 here. You get this one paid off, and a lot of people think, well, you know what? Now I don't have to pay that anymore, so now I can do this with it. I'm going to... And you know what? They... What, what would be good to do, wise to do, is say, well, here's what I'm going to do. I was already paying that $100 toward debt. I'm going to put it, and now I'm going to pay $100 here and, and $200 here. And then you get that $200 knocked out, and then you add that to the one, and you start knocking it out. The good news is if you got debt, you can become financially free. You can get rid of it, but it's not going to happen if you don't have a plan. Proverbs 3.27 says, don't withhold repayment of your debts. Now, you got to be realistic about this, all right? got to be activistic, and you got to be realistic. How many of you know that, generally speaking, people do not get in debt overnight? You don't go from March 5th to March 6th and have an enormous amount of debt. You don't get it overnight. You're not going to get rid of it overnight, but you're never going to get rid of it if you don't have a plan. And could you just imagine the day? Could you imagine the peace that will come when you're able to say, aside, and aside from an appreciating asset like a house... I have no other debt. I have no other debt. Here's a place that all of us ultimately want to get to. I want to get to this place. You want to get to this place. Romans thirteen eight says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Here's the last one. Commit everything to God. Commit everything to God. Remember the first habit, God is my source. What we have comes from God, and we need to commit it all back to God. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord. You see this on the screen. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Do you want God to bless? Do you want God to cause you to succeed? Commit it to God. Make God the top priority of your life. Patrick Morley writes this, stewardship is a total way of looking at life, which understands that everything comes from God, belongs to God, and is to be used for the glory of God. We're done. Would you stand with me? There's one last verse that I want you to look at when we stand. Here it is. I know we've gone over. I appreciate your patience. If God gives us wealth and property and lets us enjoy them, we should be grateful and enjoy what we have worked for. What is it? It is Read it with me, a gift from God. How many of you know that anything good that's ever going to happen in our life is a gift from God? That's why we want to involve God. So I pray that today that there's been something that's connected within you where you will say, hey, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to work on a budget. I've got to start this month putting some money up for savings. I've got to start tithing. I've got to start knocking down this debt. I don't want to live with this pressure forever. I, I want peace. I want peace in my finances. And that's why I'm talking. I love you. I care about this Matters so much to me because I see so many of God's people under enormous pressure. And God wants us to get to the place where when we think about these things that we think about a lot, that when we think about them, we don't feel like oh, we just have peace doesn't mean we've got everything we've ever wanted, but we've got peace because we've managed the money that God has entrusted to us in the way that honors God. So speak to us today, Father. Every one of us in some way have been challenged in a unique way that is for us. Some people need to work on a budget beginning today. Others need to start saving this month. All of us need to be certain that we're giving you a full tithe. God, whatever it is that you're speaking to us, give us the courage. Help us not to delay. Help us not to put it off to tomorrow. But help us to take what we've been challenged with today and ask for your help and for your grace. And you'll provide it and to move forward. Because in this area, God, you want us to have peace and not pressure and not pain. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I love you. Have an awesome week. Don't miss next Sunday.